This is a Retail Insider Podcast. You're listening to the interview series. Welcome to the Retail Insider Podcast. I'm your host, Craig Patterson, and we're joined here today with Peter Simons. He's the head of La Maison Simons Stores based in Quebec City. Welcome, Peter. Hi, Craig. Good to be here. And a quick word from our podcast episode sponsor, Swift is a rapidly growing Canadian same-day shipping company that has partnered exclusively with Retail Insider. Learn more about Swift's scalable best-in-class last-mile solution by following the link in our show notes. Now, most people probably wouldn't need an introduction to La Maison Simons, but tell us a little bit about the concept and uh, how your family started it uh, quite a while ago. Well, we're based in Quebec City. We're, uh, we were founded in 1840. My brother and I are the fifth generation. We're Canada's uh, oldest privately owned family business. Uh, the concept is, people refer to it, we're sort of a large specialty boutique. It's not a department store. We don't do hard goods. We're really focused on uh, home and, and men's and women's fashion. Uh, we, don't do, we do a little bit of cosmetics in men's, but not that much. Uh, and uh, it's basically a larger retail space that's um, uh, broken into different environments for different uh, customers. And uh, I think it sort of provides an environment where different members of the family can all go and really feel at ease shopping. And uh, we try to bring it all together with uh, just the service and the environment and the exploration and discovery that everyone, uh, I think all generations are seeking. Yeah. Now, then the stores um, have a mix of, uh, I guess you call them in-house brands in terms of they were developed by Simons as well as uh, designer brands, which are not developed by Simons. Tell me a bit about the mix uh, within the stores. It's a really unique mix. It's uh, It does have some, uh, the a core part of it is really exclusive merchandise that we does, is designed here uh, in, uh, in Quebec, in Canada, and uh, is sourced all over the world and including here. Uh, but we tend to combine it with some national brands that people would be familiar with. And then there's a layer of really discovery brands that we source around the world through up and coming little designers that no one knows, but uh, we're really hoping customers will come uh, and discover at Simon's. We do that through our offices. We have uh, offices in Florence, uh, an office in Paris, and an office in Korea, uh, South Korea and Seoul. And uh, so it lets us bring back really unique little things and little collections that uh, I think really resonate with uh, all generations. Yeah, yeah. And and there is quite, you know, there are some really, really high-end brands. I think there is Ballman. Uh, <laughs> Jill's. Oh, no, we do we do mid to higher, high-end. We, you know, we have Paul Smith and we have Balmain and uh, we do uh, uh, D Squared. And, uh, you know, so we're doing luxury but it goes down into the mid-market and for us that's really i feel how our customer shops i think he or she they have the confidence to really mix those things together they're not looking to they're not looking to dress in a look that's been designated by the designer but really to mash it up you know as they as they maybe a little bit it's a takeoff on rap a bit and that whole idea of mashup in music where you have the confidence to put pieces together. I think it allows you to express yourself in a unique way as opposed to sort of a, a predetermined way. And uh, anyway, I think our, our customer likes that. And I think that's the reality of how people shop today. You know, they, they do span the range from luxury down into core pieces and they, and they find uh, interesting and uh, 
original ways to put it all together. It makes sense. Do you know roughly what the percentage would be between the um, in-house developed brands and the um, non-Simons brands? Oh, it, re- it, it varies per department and, uh, you know, from suiting is very different from home. But in our home area, it's mostly exclusive merchandise because there are less and less brands. Uh, and it would run the gamut then uh, probably if, you know, from, well, actually it would run the gamut anywhere from 30 up to very, you know, maybe 80% across different departments, depending on how strong, uh, for example, uh, well, ski wear is often a branded business, a workout, the national brands are very important, but uh, even there, our exclusive uh, uh, collections are really uh, well appreciated and take up a big part of our merchandising space. Yeah, yeah, and there's you know, le trente, uh, uh, There's uh, there's a few of them out there. Tweak for women. Yeah, Tweak for women uh, for young women about eighteen to twenty five. It's a little bit more affordable. It's a little funkier. It's a little more audacious. Uh, and uh, you know, le trente is our a core men's line. It really spans the 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 sort of the the gamut from uh, uh, thirty to fifty five. It covers career wear and a little more traditional uh, suiting. Uh, and dressier looks, but it goes right down into sportswear and and uh, combining uh, just ca- good casual wear and active wear. Yeah, yeah. And there, I'm trying to remember the other ones in terms of Edito. That's more in the designer space, I think. Yeah, the, we have an Edito lifestyle section that's really evolving quickly right now. It's it revolves around fashion, but right now it's we're combining fashion with a lot of interesting products that we're finding around the world in terms of design decor and just uh just a, just interesting discovery pieces uh, uh and i'm really excited about where it's going it's i think in the coming months it's going to you're going to see a lot of uh products launched exclusively in edito and the fashion will be mixed up with with uh, you know everything from uh uh vintage merchandise to uh, unique little design startups we have a great uh uh, uh, a c- ceramics artist from uh, out of Brooklyn who's doing interesting uh, ideas uh, in terms of cashpo. Uh, cashpo in French is uh, uh, pots, uh, things that would cover the pots for your plants. And you know, everyone's obviously post-COVID, and I think we're still in a very home atmosphere, a little bit anti-stress, and so there's a lot of innovation in the products and. That sits really well against our platform of Fabrique, where we're uh, supporting uh, artisanal artisans across the country. We're really proud we added in uh, two or 300 new artisans during COVID, and sales were really, really strong. And uh, we're represented in all the provinces and territories now, supporting little artisanal makers. And people are really connecting with a lot of local producers now that are are making more unique uh, things and uh, uh, bringing uh, just. Uh, Great innovative ideas uh, to to our customers. We had we just finished a competition, which was really exciting. We had 150 applications, and uh, and uh, there was there was just some great, incredible products from across the country. It's um, it's amazing the creativity that's come out during COVID. And Simon's has been very collaborative in terms of you know there's Fabrique also with with Edito. I think there was a collaboration with it's LXR and Co. Or maybe it's Luxury and Co. I don't know. LXR, yeah. LXR, excellent, excellent. And um, and another one, I can't remember the name, but it was um, more for apparel that was uh, vintage as well. That was uh, designer. Uh, yes, uh, the name is uh, slipping my mind now also. But uh, 
So we've been exploring that because we have our vision program where we've really been pushing hard for the past five to almost 10 years in terms of exploring how to be, how we're using recycled fibers and how we're really closing the circular loop on what we're doing. And uh, we made a lot of headway, a lot of headway in, in our stores, uh, uh, in particular, the zero energy store we built in Quebec City uh, just before, before the pandemic struck. Uh, so we're working hard on that, but we're really working hard on our products right now. And there's a lot of recycled circular fabrics that are coming in that uh, have much lower environmental impacts. So those different pillars are coming together in an interesting way. And I'm really excited about the future. And we spoke a while ago and uh, as part of the ethos of La Maison Simons, you've really gotten into, you know, sustainability and, and sort of an eco movement. Tell me a little bit about that and where it's going. I mean, there's electric car charging stations. There's all kinds of stuff, you know, the net zero. Tell me a bit about that. Yeah, it really started about 10 years ago. I reached out to, uh, there's a there's an eco group with the PwC out of the UK that was doing some really novel work and it developed a framework for thinking about it. And we audited our whole company end to end no geographical sort of containment. So we weren't really looking at our footprint in Canada. I don't believe you can look at it that way. I think it's a little bit disingenuous. You really have to look at from production uh, materials all the way through to the final product. And we just started working on, you know, how to reduce really, I think fundamentally we've been focused on water and uh, uh, GES, gas effet de serre, which in English would be uh, uh, greenhouse gases. Um, and so we've been working for the last 10 years, just pushing our footprint down. When we started, everyone sort of said, what are you doing? You're wasting your time and your energy and you should focus on other stuff. But I think it's been vindicated. We still have a long way to go. There's a lot of work to do still, but there's a, a lot of interesting things happening. And we've really been able to substitute on a very light level, just the, our move to uh, bio cotton, which are have much less uh, impact on the environment, no watershed, um, and uh, uh, too much to 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 much more circular products that are using recycled pet plastic. And uh, the dreams really that I think fashion would help clean up the planet, and and I think we're moving toward that. Excellent. And what brought that about? Was there any sort of a catalyst that brought that sustainability? Um... I don't know. I think back then I'd been reading a lot. I really felt the two challenges of our generation were uh, climate change. It sounds obvious now, but 10 years ago it wasn't. The other one was uh, this question of uh, economic and social equality. Those are the two challenges of our generation. And as a family business, I think we can take a longer term view uh, as a Canadian business, a truly Canadian business, everyone wants to be seen as a Canadian business, but you know, we've been here since 1840. So I think I can say we're probably more Canadian than most. Uh, we were able to bring our values. And uh, as a family, we sort of made choices about how we wanted to be in the community. And uh, we wanted to try to contribute to these issues. I mean, the fear is, you know, how will people look back on us as we look back on people 100, 200 years ago? We think everything we're doing is logical and so it's sophisticated and advanced. But there are things that we can do better. There's things that we have to do for the community, not just for for next quarter's profits. And uh, we were able to look long-term and really start to invest not only in the environment, but uh, just looking at our conditions. We were, you know, we, we were one of the first, first companies to move to 
you know, uh, higher wages, uh, $16 an hour starting that was, you know, that wasn't last year. That was five years ago now. It was a huge move for us, but uh, we're trying to really work on our, our, the quality of our company uh, for the people who work within it, for our suppliers uh, uh, and in the communities that where, where we work. And uh, I guess my only hope is customers appreciate that. That's the big question is really, well, you know, uh, as certain companies strive to 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 try to address these issues, will customers appreciate that? Will they value that? Will they really value uh, the cost and the efforts uh, going into trying to participate in finding these solutions? You know, the pandemic's really stretched that out. Uh, but at the end, you you know, and your name's on the front door, I think you want to be proud of what you're doing. And that's very different from just being profitable. It's a whole other dimension of effort. And uh, I'd say sacrifice. I don't, I'm not asking people to feel bad for me. I'm just saying there is, you know, building a zero energy store at Capital, a store that has a zero footprint, you know, the solar panels, the programming, the geothermal wells that were dug to make it all happen, uh, the time and design effort that went into it. Um, I guess if I'd been a public company, people might have told me you're crazy. There's no return on investment, but we just believed, and I'm I'm hoping people come and they look at it, and maybe it inspires them a bit, and uh, and it uh, gets people thinking in a new direction. So, yeah. yeah. And are. the stores are absolutely beautiful. Tell me a little bit about you know there's artwork in all I think all of the stores. Yeah, the artwork. You know that started the first store I ever did when I was I wasn't. A, kid i guess i was in my late 20s and i we expanded to montreal and uh at that store i commissioned an artist who was quite well known in the neoplastics movement in canada in the 450s and 60s called guido molinari you know i just just went in the phone book and called him up and he said come down to my studio and uh it wasn't really the thing at that time but we commissioned a, a triptych that the in glass in laminated glass that hangs from the ceiling you know, my father loved art. He wasn't a collector, but he, he bought very inexpensively, very early in Guido Molinari's career, a painting that we had at the house. And as children, we would always say to him, it's just a bunch of colored squares, Dad. You pay us, we'll, we'll do that. Yeah, he said, eh, maybe you could make the squares, but would you, have you chosen the right orange to go beside the right blue to go beside the right green? That's the big question. And I don't think you would have because you're not Guido Molinari. So... You know, so that it was sort of a childhood uh, uh, memory. And uh, and I think that I like the idea of you shouldn't have to go to a museum to do to see art. You know, our urban environments should be beautiful on a, a regular basis. And I, and I think customers, design's a strange thing and the beauty in an environment is a strange thing. I think it has a subliminal impact on us. We might not realize that we... The, the comfort we feel in a space that's been worked and thought about, but we do feel comfortable in different proportions. I do think we benefit from having art around us on a daily basis. It reminds us, well, it, I hope it reminds people of everything that's good and possible. Uh, you know, uh, Douglas Copeland's work uh, in Vancouver, uh, Danielle Alpil's work. Uh, uh, I mean, just, the commissions we've done supporting artists across the country has been uh, really just a highlight of uh, of working on these stores, and uh, I hope people appreciate it. 
you know, beauty, you can never have too much beauty, I don't think, in your day-to-day life. You just, uh, why, why, why go to the museum for that? You know, if, when you build something, it's going to be there for a long time. I think there's a big responsibility to being an architect or a designer or even paying to have something built. You're going to do it, do it, do it well and do it in a way that's generous and that, that tries to make environments nicer, you know, not just low cost. Yeah, yeah. And the Douglas Copeland is in the West Vancouver store, I think. It's, um, yes. I don't even know how to describe it. It's, it's striped. Uh, it's, it's very, very interesting. It's uh, called bow tie and uh, it fits in the space beautifully. It's colorful. It's uh, ludique, we would say in French, is uh, light and uh, uh, light but thoughtful in the way that Douglas Copeland has been. I think maybe that's a, that is a, a common thread in, in his career of sort of this, this, I don't like the word childness. I like the word lightness. He's, he's still, seems odd and in wonder at the world, but he thinks about very adult, difficult questions and, and in fresh new ways. So uh, Bowtie, yeah, it was a good commission and it led to Canada 150 after that. So we started out wanting to crowdsource a, a piece of art and it didn't really resonate at the time and it didn't get any traction. And uh, once we finished Bowtie, Douglas uh, and I got back together again and uh, Said, why don't we crowdsource this piece of art? And so we launched ourselves on this this huge 3D scanning mission across Canada. We scanned, uh, I think, four or five thousand different people from every province and territory, coast to coast, and uh, then we printed up their their busts and in colorful plastics. And uh, uh, I have that piece of work. I'm just looking for the perfect place to put it. I think it's it, it's it's a great piece of work. Uh, Maybe more today, more so today than it ever was. I think to do it, Douglas was really visionary, and uh, I just need to find. It's a big piece of work. I'm looking for a place to put it. <laughs> maybe in a new store. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe working on a few things. Yeah. Now, the Simon's store design. I think they're some of the most beautiful stores in Canada. You know, they're they're large format. They'll often have high ceilings, but you know, we do have nice looking stores in Canada. But but Simon's is one of my favorites. How did, it, in general, did it come about that, you know, these beautiful store spaces were created uh, for, for Simons? Because to me, it's a bit of a rarity in Canada to see a store that looks like this. And I don't know if there are many in the United States even. We've always believed in uh, the power and, of architecture and design. I mean, that's maybe, again, there's things we've just been doing for a while that now are maybe taken for granted. But uh, the first store I ever built, you know, I got on a plane six times in a row and traveled to Bilbao. Frank Gehry was building the new Guggenheim there, and I watched it be excavated. I watched the structural steel go up, uh, and uh, we were just fascinated with architecture, the power of architecture, uh, and and that just flowed into the idea of once you think architecture is powerful, I think you believe in design and the role it can play in creating interesting, uh, comfortable. Uh, and exciting spaces, uh, sometimes without us even knowing it, you know. But uh, uh, so we we made a decision to create these unique spaces and to invest in in it. And for our customers, for the people that work at the stores, also, uh, uh, we just finished a distribution facility in a in a new industrial park. It's a robotics facility to service our e-commerce. It's state of the art on the inside. It's got the, the just 
crazy robotic systems in it. But the outside just won a prize in Switzerland for uh, best industrial project uh, in 2019, uh, for architecturally speaking. So uh, we tried to get we tried to do the work that you have to do in a in a distribution facility in a robotics facility. But we also tried to pair that with interesting human spaces and bringing light into the spaces and remembering that uh, the environment does a lot for your quality of life at work. So. Um, I guess it comes down to values, you know, you make business choices, but then you don't make choices about your values. You make one time, you make a choice about those. And then it's a question of holding the line and trying to find responsible ways to do things that adhere to what you believe in. And granted, maybe it's easier for us as a, you know, as a family business in private, we don't have to answer, you know, I probably would have been fired four or five times in my career. I was a public company, but uh, you try to think long term and uh, and and do things that you're proud of and that you're proud to tell your kids you did, you know, that, that you think contribute to the urban landscape, to the quality of people that your lives that you're working with uh, uh, that contribute some way to the community. Uh, so. So, yeah, maybe it's easier for us, uh, uh, but uh, you still have to do it. You have to put the time and you have to believe. Yeah, no, and Simon's, uh, La Maison Simon's since 2012 has had quite an expansion into Canada. I think West Edmonton Mall, I remember opened on Halloween Day in uh, 2012. I, I got there just after it opened and uh, um, now it's almost coast to coast in terms of, you know, stores in British Columbia, Alberta, Ontario, Quebec. Um, tell me a little bit about the expansion and uh, how, how things have come about and if there's anything uh, to come that you could talk about. Well, it's sort of, you know, you set out on a path and you think you're going to do it very methodically, but in the end, you you have to adjust to the circumstances and the opportunities that are available. We really wanted to pick the partners we worked with. That led to West Edmund Mall and the Germanian family. Uh, we wanted to, you know, we're a family business and we do connect with other family businesses that share our values. So uh, we pieced it together. It's been a great expansion. I think there's still a lot of work to do in terms of, uh, um, just our awareness of who we are, the fact that we're Canadian and uh, uh, we're, uh, we're planning uh, uh, a really interesting uh, national campaign for this fall, an advertising campaign that's be one of the biggest ones in our history. And I'm hoping people, I'm hoping it'll give people, uh, give them the desire to want to come in and discover us and, and see what we're doing because what we are doing is unique and uh, it's being done done here. Uh, so um, that's happening. It's been, we've been really happy at the same time. We've been working very hard on our e-commerce. We got started quite early, very painful at the beginning. <laughs> the first day we sold $800 and I, I almost lost my job that day too. So, <laughs> so anyway, but uh, when the pandemic struck, if we hadn't had our e-commerce ramped up, uh, uh, we wouldn't have been able to survive. I, I don't think we, we we just finished our robotics facility and uh, we weren't able to get it open. It was it was scheduled to be open two weeks after after the pandemic and the shutdown struck. So, but e-commerce uh, picked up, and uh, um, you know it it gave us a little bit of oxygen during the pandemic. So, which was important. Today, we're we're like one of the top ten sites in Canada uh, in terms of traffic and. Uh, uh, we were voted uh, by Canadians coast to coast the best uh, e-commerce experience in uh, in our category wow. in uh, last year, and uh, we're number two in Quebec in 
behind uh, one other site I won't mention their name. They're not that important. But anyway. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> we're based in Canada, so uh, here you go. We're contributing to what's going on here. So hopefully we'll make the right choice. <laughs> yeah, well, goodness. Now, in terms of e-commerce, uh, so I will say that during the pandemic, I ordered stuff from uh, Le Maison Simon's website. Uh, stores were closed all over the place, and I still wanted nice clothes. Um, now, are the orders typically fulfilled through the warehouse in Quebec City, or is there fulfillment from store? Or tell me a little bit about that. There is fulfillment from store. We have we we have a we've been omni-channel uh, just to use a maybe a overused term uh, for about five years. So we were had uh, you can buy online, pick up in store. You buy online, get shipped to home. Uh, you can buy in the store and, and have it shipped to your home. So some of our orders are. Uh, a good majority of them, when we're able to, are shipped from the, our distribution facility because it's the most efficient way to do it. But uh, you have access to our whole inventory from coast to coast, and many things aren't at the warehouse. So those pieces are shipped from store or grouped together with the complete order and shipped from one location or another. Yeah. So, yeah. And in Western Canada, it probably would be more of a ship from store because, you know, Vancouver is really, really far from Quebec City geographically. Yeah, we've got good, we've organized some good prices because of our volume on uh, on deliveries, but we have free delivery. So it is a big cost. Uh, I mean, I, I, I'm a huge customer of Canada Post. So uh, uh, we are looking at how to make it most efficient so, because that's quicker for the customer and better for the customer and that's that's the heart of what we do is serving people do you think you'd open another robotic robotics warehouse somewhere else in canada or do you think that's that, I, that was quite an expense wasn't it? it it was huge it stretched us i mean it it almost you know it was a huge risk i mean it, it honestly it stated the art we had when the pandemic struck we had programmers here from from germany from austria from the u.s from south america and they all went home and we were, were trying to integrate in this massive system uh i mean it has a, a quarter million picking slots it's all serviced by robotics it, we can sort through hundreds of thousands of orders uh, very efficiently uh it's the future but right now we're having trouble there's a there's a lack of of availability of people wanting to work in, in certain sectors right now. I think we're seeing that across the country. And so uh, uh, the robotics has really helped and it's made the people that work with us much more productive. And that was the goal really in the end. The future for me was give pe- give great people the tools to be as productive as possible. And then you can start to pay them really great salaries. And and, and it's, a, it's a virtuous circle in my mind. Terrific. Um, now, I'm wondering, in terms of the pandemic, did you have any insights or takeaways or learnings that that you'd like to share? Because obviously it was quite a unique time for everyone and hopefully the only time in our lifetimes that we experienced something like this. We're really solid now. We've come back and, and I'm very optimistic going forward. Uh, 18 months ago, I, I mean, I, I thought we had two weeks to live. I, mean, I was at the end of a massive investment that had stretched us enormously because we felt it was the right thing to do. The pandemic didn't change the fact that I it, I think it accentuated the fact that we were doing the right things. We'd invested in e-commerce, great people, automation. These were all themes that were essential. So we were doing the right things, but I'd taken on a good amount of debt and some outside investors. Uh, what did I learn? Uh, our business revolves around people. You have to take care of your people. Uh, we have a supplier network that I think we've always had really, we've really taken care of suppliers. 
And some people said, oh, you're too nice to your suppliers. And when the pandemic struck, the, the way we were able to work with our supplier network, it really created value. And we, at the beginning, we said, we're going to protect our suppliers, protect our people, and we're going to try to do the right thing. And uh, I mean, it got really, it got scary and it got really out of control at certain points. Everyone thinks they're an entrepreneur when there's profits, but the real entrepreneurs rise up when there's difficulty, when there's, when there's no profits, when they're building a vision for the future. So, you know, when there's profits, everyone thinks there's an entrepreneur and then the pandemic hits and all these supposed entrepreneurs realize, oh my God, I, I didn't sign up for this sort of risk. Now, whereas the entrepreneur, he has no choice. He's in, I mean, I had, I, I, I reinvested everything I had into the business to, to make this robotics happen. So um, what did I learn? I take care of your people and always appreciate them. Stay humble because there's a lot of chance in business. You can do the right things at the wrong time and you can do the right things for the wrong reasons. And so no one's as brilliant as they make themselves out to be, I don't think. <laughs> and I'm not judging anyone else. I'm just talking about myself. <laughs> Uh, what else? You know, I, I appreciate our supplier network across Canada. I mean, I dealt with people that have dealt with my grandfather. Uh, I had a guy on the phone, you know, crying because they said, if you don't pay me, you know, you, uh, no one else is paying me. You have to pay. And, and we worked with them and uh, we were able to really stay together. So uh, treat your suppliers well, because uh, it is a it is a mutually it's a symbiotic relationship. We sort of, at one point too, it got so crazy. I just said, you know what? If we're going to disappear after 150 years, uh, we might as well be proud of what we're trying to do. So, you know, my, my code became a little bit, the, 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 it sounds corny, but it's not corny. The samurai have a code they live by in Japan. They wake up every morning and they say to themselves, today I'm going to die. So how do I want to live the last day of my life? And they sit on the side of their bed before commencing their day. And they, uh, they reflect on how they want to live their life and do the right thing. And then they prepare themselves and, and uh, uh, they leave the house saying, well, if I'm going to die today, how do I want to treat other people? So how do I want to live my values and how do I want to treat others? And every single day, that's how they live their life. Oh, I'm so thankful that La Maison Simons is still with us based on what you just said, because, you know, I, I love the chain. And I speak to a lot of entrepreneurs and, you know, there's different personalities um, what I found is the ones that are the strongest are the ones that have optimism. They're able to reflect on what's happened, but they're able to be positive about the future. I'm excited going forward. You know, I think there's a, we've got some great people. That was the biggest thing actually I learned, but someone asked me, what was the, you know, what was the worst thing that happened? And they said, what was the best thing? The best thing that happened was I knew I had great people around me that I was lucky to have these smart, dynamic people. But when the pandemic hit, there were so many people at Simon's that just, we put their heads, we all put our heads down and we just focused on getting through together. And I mean, there were some tough times, but it wasn't once where I sort of felt I was on my own by myself. I just, you know, I went home every night and said, oh my God, this is hell, but I'm with, with great people that if these are the people I want to be with. So that was touching. It was really touching. I mean, to sincerely to see how people, they didn't, complain they didn't talk to me about you know they didn't they focused on help trying to get us through trying to take care of everyone and uh i don't know that yeah it was touching what do you want it was uh it was a tribute to them i, I mean I, chapeau chapeau as they say in french uh, i tip my hat to them in the sense that uh and i 
felt just grateful and uh, I'm lucky. I'm, I'm yeah, I was lucky to be with people like that, that that were able to have the resilience and the intelligence because it took a lot of intelligence and it took a lot of energy to make it through. It, it, they're tough and smart and and uh, committed and engaged and with and and with good values and so they they knew what had to be done and they knew how they wanted to do it to be proud of what they were doing and we 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 all pushed in the same direction so long answer we could talk a long time about it certainly but uh, oh no, absolutely time. and leading a company through something like this do you have a management style uh, beyond the samurai or tell me a little bit about that i don't know i'm not a big hierarchy guy i think we're you try to get great people around you and lay the groundwork with some values that can guide your actions. I think the pandemic probably reinforced that. That was the need to sort of feel what direction we were going to take in terms of our values. How are we going to be true to ourselves? How are we going to treat others? And, uh, you know, there were people pushing me to lay off and it wasn't perfect. And it was, it was hard on the stores sometimes, but, uh, uh, we really worked hard to do our best we could. And, and uh, um, so I think my management style, I hope it's participatory, uh, appreciative. Um, it's not hierarchical. I think there's, when you're surrounded by smart people, half the time or 99% of your time, your job's just to listen that other people have the right idea. You just have to be smart enough to shut up and, and listen and work together. and uh, and. Uh, I guess a little bit, I believe that you don't focus on what you want. You focus on something outside yourself that's generous for other people, for something else. And and the paradox in life is if you don't focus on what you want, you'll get what you want, I think. It's a funny thing in life. I believe that sincerely. If you, if you, if you spend your management time sincerely trying to take care of others, you end up saying, oh, my God, they're taking care of me in the end. This is embarrassing sort of thing, you know, but, but so... Focus on something that's more important, how other people feel in their work environment, how you treat your suppliers, how you treat your customers, how you treat other people. And you'll end up, yeah, you'll have, you'll end up having a company that's sort of functioning, I believe. That's maybe not too sophisticated. I'm not going to Harvard to give a lecture, <laughs> but uh, there is a paradox there. There's a paradox, I'll call it the paradox of generosity, where you think you have to focus your ambition on taking what you what you want your ambition is getting what you want and your ambition should be giving someone else what they want and the rest will work itself out it just it's magical when it happens it's it's truly it's it's a moment of grace oh terrific and uh, looking you know five to ten years into the future do you have a vision for uh, what la maison simons might be like in terms of stores around the country you know e-commerce penetration yeah, we're working on that right now. I think uh, we have a new concept that we're doing on a little bit. I'm not ready to talk about it. We're just in ideation with uh, uh, McKinley Studios out of Calgary. So we're happy to be back working with them again. And uh, they're a super creative group. And uh, we're going to open up our store in Fairview in Montreal, which is under construction right now. I'm looking at a few locations and ideas. Uh, we're going to continue uh, to push our e-commerce ahead. It saw triple-digit growth during the pandemic, and it's still growing this year on top of that. So uh, we are still trying to cope with, um, uh, cope with uh, you know, we're doing growth we forecasted to do in e-commerce business in 2026, 27. Wow. We're doing it now. So 
that's put some stress on the organization. We're going to stabilize our business coming out of the pandemic. And um, I think we're going to work really hard on the rest of Canada. I want to get traveling again. I think Simon's in Quebec. People know us really intimately. We're, we're, we've been here for 150 years, but we still have work to, to do to earn our place and for people to understand uh, what we offer that's unique in the rest of Canada. So that's going to keep us pretty busy for the next mix. Yeah, I'll be following period. the ad campaign you mentioned in the fall that uh, you're saying be. I haven't uh, seen the content yet. Everyone's pretty stressed about it, but uh, you know what? We're we have the, it's a great media buy. We have some good ideas. We're going to follow it up with a spring campaign and a fall campaign after that. So it's a three phase piece. And uh, the first phase, it was more about just sort of trying to do something generous in the post pandemic period where people were coming out of their confinements and. Uh, uh, trying to do something optimistic and positive. I mean, entrepreneurship is a is an act of optimism at base. I don't, I'm not first to say that without a doubt, but uh, so we are optimistic looking forward. And, and uh, uh, so, yeah, we're going to try to sort of be optimistic and, and let people understand that Simon's is really an experience, uh, an experience that, they can discover and explore together with, with their friends, with their family, with other people, and that it's a social experience uh, and not only something aesthetic, uh, uh, you know, and yeah, we'll, we'll, see. we'll see. Terrific, terrific. When we see more food and beverage in the stores as well, I had a great lunch in uh, West Vancouver when I was in that uh, Park Royal location last. Yes, we're. I don't know if we're going to move forward so much with the, with food and beverage in the stores, I think we're starting to look at uh, popping up different things in our stores and using the space more flexibly for uh, highlighting Canadian artisans that we're excited about. We have uh, some great things coming in the fall in terms of uh, partnerships with the National Bank uh, for uh, promoting uh, artisans across the country. And we'd like to get some of those creative people into the stores to give them a bit of a showcase, a showroom, so to speak. So. Uh, we're going to mix it up a bit. There's going to be a lot of new things happening in the coming year. So that's going to be exciting. Terrific. And I guess kind of a final question. Um, are any of the kids of the family looking at sort of moving into the business in terms of, you know, as executives perhaps get more towards retirement age, you're still young, of course, but do you foresee that in the future? Be very careful, Craig. This is a podcast, but <laughs> <laughs> I just want to point out I'm a Sprite 57 to everyone who <laughs> doesn't see me on the podcast. <laughs> uh, yes, my brother has three kids and I have two. And uh, uh, look, they're all great kids. And I think we're really proud of them. And they're still at that stage where they have to find their way and discover and they got to find their own passion. It's, it's a, you got to love what you're doing today, I think, anywhere and particularly maybe in retail. So Right now, we're just letting them get a great education and, and pursue their passion. One of them's in med school. Another one was just uh, received into the order of nurses. Uh, and uh, I think she's found her, her path. And uh, some of them are too young. So uh, two of them are working in the stores this, this summer. My son's working and I'm serving customers. And God, I, I mean, I never, he just, he just loves serving people. He just, he's just so happy going there and feeling that he's being useful and he's so excited when he comes home and he really feels he helped someone find something that's right for them. And so I think if they can get that, those ideas about service in them, 
you know what, whether they work here or they don't in the longer term, it's always going to, it's always going to serve them well in a sense to, to have that, to like serving other people. So a little early still, but uh, we talk about it and we'll, we'll just have to let things evolve, not put too much pressure on them. They're a little young yet. Terrific. Is there anything else you'd uh, like us to mention in terms of LeMaison and Simons today? No, thanks for asking, but uh, no, that's about it. We're, we're happy to be through the pandemic and um, I guess as a summary, I just, I think we just out of Canada, out of Quebec here, we, we we're trying to really work hard to be a company that sincerely participates in the community in terms of uh, across supporting artisans to paying our taxes, to creating jobs and investment and, 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 uh, and, and contributing. And I hope customers will appreciate that. And, and, I hope that'll uh, make them appreciate Simon's. Terrific. I can't wait to get back and travel. I'll be visiting lots of Simon's stores around the country as I used to do before the pandemic. Um, and for anyone listening, definitely, if you haven't visited Old Maison Simon's store, it's a bit of a pitch, but you've got to do it. I mean, they're some of the most beautiful stores in Canada. They have great product at a variety of price points from the affordable to the, you know, very expensive <laughs> and, uh, and great and great people. So, you know, at this time when we all need a little social contact, come to Simon's, don't buy anything. Just come to meet the people. Just come to say hello to someone. If you need a little social contact, come to the store, just say hello, be with other people. We all need that after everything we've been through, you know, so uh, we're, we're ready to welcome you. Oh, and I encourage people to shop. Do it. You got to get everywhere. <laughs> we, always, we, always the practical one, Craig. Always the practical. <laughs> I'm the dreamer. You're the practical one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, thank you so much. Uh, this has been Peter Simons. You're the head of uh, La Maison Simons Stores. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Craig. It's really been, uh, it's been fun. <laughs> and I'm Craig Patterson, editor-in-chief of Retail Insider and the host of today's podcast. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Take care and bye for now.